This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Making it worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here, we're queer. Meh. Textual healing. So I have been watching, as everyone knows, as my good friends know, I love baseball and I've been watching the World Series. So mask. You're so mask. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> mask for mask. I'm surprised I even knew this podcast with you, Alan. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it's interesting because do you know how like sometimes you notice something, but you don't consciously notice it at first. Mm. And at one point during the World Series, I remember like thinking in my head, I was like, I think I just saw someone wearing a pearl necklace. Mm. But then like I was like, that doesn't make any sense. What am I talking about? And it just kind of it was like a, you know, a poof of a, of a thought like in, in and out. And I was like, it was gone. Yeah. And then a couple hours later in that same game, uh, a, a baseball player got up to bat. His name is Jock Peterson. And I realized he what a was, what a it name. is, it is, it is. <laughs> he was wearing a pearl necklace. And so I was like, all right, so that's, that's very surprising for baseball, which is, I think, abnormally macho. Yeah. Uh, even compared to the other sports that I would say are technically Sexiest more physical. Too. I think oh, baseball has the sexiest dude, player. Mookie, have you seen Mookie Betts? I don't you know anyone Mookie in Betts? baseball. All I know is their thighs. Mookie Betts is the most attractive man I've ever seen in my life. He plays for the Dodgers. Text anyway. me a picture of him. Well, you can Google it. But I don't um, want to do that. I want you to so, text me that you're the one you get off. To. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you'll never see him. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so I was like, all right, there must be some like douchey, ridiculous backstory that like this pearl necklace represents my love for Trump or something ridiculous. So. I Google it. I wish. Uh, I Google it. I'm like, and of course, like, you know, there's a bunch of articles about Jock Peterson's pearl necklace. And I was so sort of taken aback. And I'll, I'll say pleasantly surprised that this player, Jock Peterson, uh, he said, you know, leading up to the World Series, he said he wanted to make something of a fashion statement. Mm-hmm. And he realized, I forget his exact quotes, but he was like, I really like, I thought pearl necklaces look great. And I was like, I think that's, that would be really cool to wear a pearl necklace while I'm playing baseball. And, and so he actually did kind of do it. And I'm not saying he's, 
you know, trying to, you know, do any sort of like gender bendy stuff per se, but like he's by kind of by default, he is. And he's been getting a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, vague support from his teammates and a lot of shit from <laughs> some of the other teams they've been playing. I a seemingly lighthearted ribbing is, is what the article made it seem like, mm-hmm. but he's still wearing it. And I thought that was kind of cool. What, I mean, when I sent it to you guys, what was your reaction to that? Total boner. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think, I think it's, I mean, I, you know, me, I, I, I don't, this isn't the kind of thing that I necessarily care a ton about. Um, yeah. Like I don't care about Harry Styles, like wearing a dress or whatever. I mean, you know, tweets their own. I, I'm not against it. I, I just doesn't do anything for you me. don't care about Harry Styles. <laughs> that too. But, uh, but then seeing a baseball player wearing a pearl necklace, you know, in, like I said, in a, in a macho, like rural American sport, mm-hmm. that's like, that's kind of, incredible to me i think it's one of those things that 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 it's for me straight male sexuality is so like and i'm assuming jock is straight i don't know his background i don't know if he's married i don't know anything about him but he's married um he's married okay yeah and so i've always been so pleased when straight men sort of like open up and and go in a direction that that allows them to be more sort of i don't know fluid but not in a sexual way and just sort of like these things that we've been told have genders, meaning jewelry, clothes, right. thing, nails, nail polish, things like that. These things aren't gendered. There's no gender to objects that don't involve your own view about who you are as a, as a human in the world. So it's like, yeah, let them wear the earrings. I have a great friend who's, his name's David Guccini and he's like, I fucked up his last name, I always do. But he, mm-hmm. he is like, he's one of these, he's one of my straight male friends who like is so chill and like he'll mm. wear whatever he wants and he'll wear a fur coat and wear jewelry and do crazy things and it's like it's so refreshing to sort of see that i think having someone as big as jock out there doing it yeah. in, a, in a in a field that is so masculine is like so important it's so yeah, important. i love it yeah, yeah i love it i saw i was i saw that like recently billy billy porter yes was criticizing harry styles for wearing a dress on vogue or something and like the whole harry styles thing has i well, don't know i think i think we've no, talked about it and i don't i don't care just to clarify something with that because people will get angry uh, uh he wasn't criticizing that harry styles was on the cover wearing a dress it was that billy porter was in the same issue and that a black man wearing a dress oh. who's been doing it for a long time was relegated to the b side of the magazine oh, and right. harry styles was put on the cover who's a straight I man see. wearing a dress that was right. his argument so well, just before uh, yeah. i guess my argument would be that harry styles sells magazines and billy porter doesn't but anyway <laughs> yes. go ahead yes. Yes. <laughs> that would be my basic yeah. argument but yes but i uh, but you know I, I understand the idea at least of, of the complaint being more about like you know uh queer baiting that kind of thing but mm. i don't know this seems obviously so far removed from queer baiting in the sense right. that i think what's most what's most um impressive but also like sweet and endearing is that he's like i don't know like i just wanted to do this yeah. and there's no need for yeah. him to over explain it and i don't i just i love that because it I, it takes the onus off of everybody i think it sort yeah. of takes you know you, you let your guard down and the fact that he's doing it in like the biggest you know the biggest game in baseball is it's not that he wouldn't want you to say you're so brave yeah you know that's the best part is that he's like i i just want to do this and it's like what there's nothing to really say about it other than like okay okay yeah cool do your thing yeah it reminded me of taron egerton at the met gala when he was playing elton john in that rocket man movie and here taron egerton's a straight guy 
playing one of the biggest gay dudes in the world. And he goes to the Met Gala, which is camp themed, and he just wears a black suit. And I was so furious. I was like, you are ruining it for every straight dude out. This was your opportunity as a straight dude to go camp and he mm, ruined it. So yeah. I think Jock picked up that, that mental. Well, mental. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll end this with, with this. Uh, I was watching a little bit of the game. There's a game playing tonight uh, before we started recording. And at one point they pan of course, into the crowd. And what do you know, there was uh, uh, you know, I would presume a straight guy, sort of burly white guy wearing plastic pearls. Yeah, I, they said in, the, in that article like, that like, they've been selling out. That's yeah. so great. Plastic that's so pearls great. in the in the in the stands watching the game. And I, I just was like, I think that's a really I think that's really cool. That's a really the, cool thing. The next step is this them sending their gay friends nudes. That's really the Yeah, next there you evolution. go. Yeah, that's the next step. Not even joking. This week, we are joined. Thank you, Brent. We are joined by Brent <laughs> Sullivan. We're only interviewing Brent <laughs> Sullivan for this section. Yay! <laughs> no, our guest this week is photographer and video director and good friend of mine, Joseph Jasso. Hello, Joseph. Hi. Hey, hi, Joseph. Hi, hi. How are you? I, I, I have to give a little peek behind the curtain and and poke fun at Brent a little bit here. Um, okay. When, before we started, Brent was like. Because we were recording, and I, I said not to bring this up, but we're recording on Halloween today. And Brent asked Joseph, because he's wearing a very fashionable jacket, if that was his costume. And I found that to be delightful well, and I, heartwarming. It, it, was, it was just, it's such a unique, I, it's a code I haven't seen before. And I, yeah. I want you, Joseph, to tell us a little bit about it. But like, and I, it, I didn't look like a costume, but I was like, <laughs> it is Halloween. Like, I It is Halloween. Me. Yes. Uh, it is completely you know, I, I borderline in between like costumes and just like normal clothes honestly like i uh i pretty much everything i wear kind of can be a costume if you want it to be yeah 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 i mean you're you're a fashionista but to i mean in brent's defense i also was like oh that's could be a cool halloween costume yeah. <laughs> i mean i thought it might have been a tribute to like missy elliott or maybe like a utica queen kind of thing it's but, kind of the same thing honestly it's uh this is a smaller version actually i have a a pink one that's like massive it's very oh, consistent wow. so yeah. i'm pretty i'm pretty set if in the off case my career just tanks and i become homeless yeah. i have lots of options yeah and also <laughs> during the warm. pandemic you were posting photos on your instagram of i remember i remember seeing mini versions of this jacket and other looks yeah. that you would do in your yeah. i think your apartment's lobby or something when you were taking your dog for a walk like you would just post yeah. your daily I mean, look like during the first couple of months of quarantine, I was, you know, like all of us, we weren't doing anything but staying home. Yeah. And I had like, of course, no jobs. All my jobs had like dropped because of the pandemic. So my kind of only outlet of being creative was getting dressed up and mm -hmm. taking my dog for a walk. And basically that was the only time anybody ever saw me. So I kind yeah. of made it like a little thing every day yeah. as I would just get really like obnoxiously dressed up and yeah. take pictures of with my dog. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so fun. perfect like right really before like we went on our walk yeah yeah i love it how did people respond to that like when you were actually on the walk because i mean i know the neighborhood you live in and there's a lot of granola people over there so like how did they respond to that actually it was different um where i live now i don't okay. think it'd be such an issue uh, i used to live in koreatown and that's where uh i i lived before the pandemic so it was constantly kind of looks until maybe like about two weeks in, kind of people stopped caring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there's that freak in the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, what, what I love about you and your work is you are so like, it's very, 
it's very queer, but you don't necessarily exclusively do queer work or photograph, you know, queer artists at all. In fact, like you, you photograph big names like Cindy Crawford. I mean, huge names. Like, do you, do you try to like put in like a queer sensibility into everything you do? Do you think like, how does that, how does that line work? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like a massive part of my identity is the fact that I'm gay. You know what I mean? And I, for a long time, I was trying to find uh, the direction I wanted my work to go into. And I always just kind of gravitated towards queer gay because I am, and I photograph what I know. Mm -hmm. And more than anything, I don't necessarily think I photograph necessarily gay people or or gay themes, but I'm just attracted to eccentric people. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I tend to lean and gravitate photographing those types mm. and you yeah. also that also includes <laughs> h allen's like queen lisa rinna mm-hmm. <laughs> oh i know he died when oh he yeah as soon as it happened i mean i think we were texting with you on our group text or something like or dm or whatever immediately just going crazy about lisa rinna like insane <laughs> now just to give some background you you photographed lisa rinna and you directed countess luann's feeling giovanni music video i have no like idea who insane. any of these people are but keep going that's fine yeah, brent that's, that's fine. fine other people listening are freaking out <laughs> right. I, I i was i don't joking. doubt that i mean it's funny that you bring up like queer culture because for a long time i think my demographic was mainly the lgbt community mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of gone from there to now like reality and I've been working right. a lot with like reality people and reality stars, but specifically the housewives a lot. Mm-hmm. What I is that like? Which yeah. is actually very similar and a little, <laughs> actually the housewives are a lot more dramatic than drag queens and <laughs> divas and everyone else. Really? Yeah. It's like, really di- like dramatic, you mean like difficult to work with? Not I, difficult, yeah. but like, like, you know, like I, I, I love people who who there's an emphasis on the ridiculous, you know what I mean? And their level of ridiculous is so much higher than most people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's great. It's, it's so fun. It's so yeah. entertaining. I mean, all those people, I mean, they could have their one woman show, honestly, that they mm-hmm. can entertain themselves. This is all happening off camera. Like you're, you're talking about dealing with human beings <laughs> who, who are so insane. I mean, I'm, I, it seems like they're so insane on camera that there would be some like, you know, leg room to just actually be normal when the, when the cameras are down. But I feel like the more we learn about them, the more insane they are off camera. You know, it feels like that comes true. You say insane, I say fun. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But they are. And what was, was it chaotic? Like, if you're going to talk about something specific, like Lisa Renna, she's fun. Like, she's totally down to experiment and try things and go there. Like, she's great. You know what I mean? I think that uh, uh, her especially, she's kind of down to try anything. She's Mm kind of shameless and proud. It's great. Yeah, remember she did those diapers commercials, and she was yeah. like, "Yep, she's like, I'm making the money." And I was like, "Good yeah. for her!" Like, yeah, yeah do depends, do depends commercial. Good for her, uh, right? For sure. Well, let me ask you, what makes, uh, without getting into names and specifics, what makes for a difficult person to to shoot? Like, like, d- like, what happens where you're like, "Oh, great, here we go, another one of these." Like, and and does that happen very often or almost never? Uh, it doesn't happen very often with me, but I do know that a lot of the times when it becomes difficult is when their publicists are involved, like mm-hmm. other people outside of them. Uh, a lot of people are very, very, very protective of their image. And sometimes um, 
they don't make any room to experiment or wiggle or try something new, even though the majority of my work is tailored for that person. But, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes uh, people don't want to budge, you know, and that's when it becomes a little bit difficult because we have a whole, a lot of the times we we talk, I communicate everything with everybody. And then sometimes the day of, they're just not feeling it. And it's into like, well, we planned for all of this. So yeah, right. Yeah. We have, we have props. We have a big yeah. beach ball. Like, what do you want? <laughs> but honestly, the, 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 I'm the one that's responsible for all the energy in the room. So mm-hmm. for me, it's always kind of communicating and navigating and making people feel good and, and make them feel like they trust me enough to go there. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, I think it's, as long as you communicate, I always say this communication is sexy. Mm-hmm. So like the more you communicate, the less surprises there are especially when it comes to that, you know, it if gives them a little bit of time. Sexy, then I'm like America's sexiest person alive. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's true though, right? Too communicative. Like, like I don't like to surprise anybody when it comes to work, you know? Yeah. 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 What was it yeah, like well, with Countess Luann? It was cool. You know, Oh, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Say it again. I mean, I just, well, I just love was... Elliot's like, so we have, I mean, we've had other guests on the show talking about yeah. housewives. We've had housewives on the show. We've like, cool. we're, we definitely, there's definitely a housewives aesthetic, but only Elliot and I have it. And we often geek out about like the exploits of Countess Luann. So Elliot just randomly being like, what's it like working with Countess Luann? <laughs> right, right. It's like something that only he and I would do. Right. <laughs> oh, I mean, let me, I'll, I'll say this, like, I have, I've really grown weary of, of the housewives, not of them personally, just of the franchise. I've, yeah, I've sort of leveled off. Yeah, recent development, that, yeah. Yeah, just not that Breaking interested news. anymore. And right. I think a big shift for me was years ago, I went to Countess Luann's Cabaret when she first started doing it yeah. okay. at, uh, at uh, 54 Below. Um, yes. I guess the original Studio 54, but 54 Below. And I went in at the time thinking like this was going to be a very much in on the joke. You know, we all know what's happening here. It's high camp kind of situation. And I was truly and maybe naively stunned when I realized that like, she takes this very seriously. And it just felt like the crowd was goofing on her or laughing in a way that, I don't know, it it unsettled me. Mm. And so I feel like it must- You humanized her a little bit to the point of like, wanting to fit into your own box of how someone should yeah. be treated in this situation rather I than guess. what Joseph, I think, and what when referring a little bit back to like, um, you know, the insanity of, of sort of someone, I think Joseph often sort of feeds off the idea of someone being a little bit extra and in their own headspace and in their own world. Wouldn't you say Joseph, sure. like, how does that, like going off sort of what Elliot said, like how does like Countess Luann's be marching to the beat of her own drum if you will sort of benefit her and what she does i mean you say that but she's taking it all the way to the bank you know what i mean like she's she's she loves to sing she likes to put on a show uh she has a huge audience i mean she invited me to her show that was at the wheel turn and the whole thing was packed Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and the chardonnay was flowing (laughs) like like everywhere and mm-hmm. it was great. I mean, the, the show was really fun. I mean, she had some great people on as well uh, mm-hmm. on the show. She had this, I don't know the name of the guy, but she had some guy who was a Broadway singer who was fantastic. And they sang together. And Murray we're Hill. From, from Come From Away, and, yeah. yeah. And Murray, Murray Hill was the host of it. Yeah. And, oh. and it was great. Like, she puts on a great, great show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, also, yeah. 
you also photographed um, someone who I don't think we haven't really talked about her too much on this podcast, but she's huge and sort of, at least to me in terms of like queer history, especially like late eighties, early nineties club kid era, Amanda Lepore. And you work with Amanda Lepore a lot. Yeah. And I don't think she gets sort of the respect that she kind of deserves in terms of being sort of very counterculture sure. in the early nineties. I mean, working sure. with top fashion people, like sure. doing crazy things. What is it like working like with her and, and, and what is she like? I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever heard her speak. Ever? I don't know what she sounds like. Yeah, I just know what she looks like. Yeah. She's wonderful. I, honestly, like I was a huge in the 90s and the early 2000s, a huge Amanda Lepore fan. Um, I just loved the fact that this here's this person who's 1000% themselves at, mm -hmm. at all costs. You know what I mean? And um, when I finally got to work with her, it was fantastic. And we hit it off. We, I don't know, God, I think it's been nine years we've been shooting together okay, consistently. Cool. We've done so much together. And uh, she's the best. She's probably the nicest person I've ever worked with. Mm -hmm. And she's so generous and giving. And she's just a great, great person. And she's a great also person. insane, which is amazing. Like, she's insane Very in her under, own kind of way. <laughs> literally underneath the glamour is even more glamour. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> her commitment to what she does, what she looks like, like, what she wants to put out into the world is, I mean, <laughs> it's 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 so insane and massive and like she lives in a hotel that is literally a closet like her oh whole entire day is covered boxes of like like it, it's so detailed it's the the dress with the this, like say purple say the purple dress with the purple gloves with the purple heels with the purple fur with the purple yeah. underwear with the like purple stockings and that's one box and then it literally goes all the way to the ceiling, all over the whole entire place. She literally has a bed, a mirror, and <laughs> clothes everywhere. Yeah, you oh gave Michael God. something to work on for her. I forget what it was after we had lunch and then you gave her something of, of Amanda's and you literally gave it to him in like a tiny like Ziploc sandwich <laughs> bag. And it was an outfit. It was yeah. an outfit yeah. in a Ziploc, little tiny Wait, little how, bag. How could that be? Do you like put it in water and it expands? It's or just so small. It's just <laughs> it was, so small. It, it was like a tiny little dress that was pretty much just two massive cutouts that just kind of held was held up by her boobs and then just had like a little bit of bottom. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you opened yeah, it and it was like opening up a bag of potpourri. It was just the most <laughs> fragrant like perfume thing. It's just, it was okay, incredible. So the the floor of the hotel that she lives on, the whole floor smells like that. That's like you, you walk into, I think it's like the third floor or the fourth floor she lives on. The second you get into that hallway, she's like further down the hallway. You smell that the second you get into the hallway. Incredible. <laughs> it's, I think it's How? Chanel number five or something like that. It's like yeah. really, it's really potent. <laughs> How is this person so rich that they live in a hotel? Like that sounds like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, think I, it's the hotel. I would imagine it's not the kind of hotel that are we like I'm is this picturing. like a hotel like a chelsea hotel or like a like a plaza hotel it's like a new york style thing right where like yeah. you know how they're like the rocks like patty uh oh god what's her name the rock star patty patty, patty uh yeah patty uh Ooh, patty and Smith. robert maplethorpe they all live in sort of like hotels like the chelsea hotel where okay. you just kind of paid by the week or month or something i don't know how it works even yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's her. I mean, she's lived there forever. I know yeah. that. Is yeah. it the Chelsea Hotel? I, I've never really asked her, like, how. Let's that not say where she lives. Let's not say yeah. where she lives. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but it's very famous. People famously live at the Chelsea yeah, Hotel. Yeah. But let's let's try to avoid it's that. Similar. She is... it, it, it's similar to that. Yeah. Wow. Like, it's not the plaza. And is she, does she like make a living like as a muse? But like, does she make a living doing nightlife? And I guess it's like an interesting, for, I mean, you photograph people like Amanda who have always um, fascinated me because they somehow make a living being like elusive and, yeah. you know, image like they're like they, they're, they're, they are an image, but they yeah. also are around New York in the, in like nightlife. And that's, sure. it's, it's, it's its own beast that I have never been able to fully like wrap my head around. Right. Did you start, uh, did you, have you ever done like nightlife photography? I did actually, when I first moved to Los Angeles, um, my first jobs were shooting at Mr. Black's. Nice. And um, I quickly learned that that type of work isn't for me. I, uh -huh. I used it, I, my intention was to meet people that way and to uh, network that way. But then I quickly realized that like <laughs> networking doesn't really work at the club because everyone doesn't remember the next day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. But they'll remember the photo and you kind of, yeah. and Mr. Black was sort of right at the beginning of like Instagram and stuff. So like there was sure. sort of that, that overlap of. Yeah. I, what I did into Instagram. What I, I actually didn't last very long there too, because my style of imagery is a little bit more like portrait based. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, I would pretty much take everybody's portrait. So it was kind of like individualized pictures of everybody, of everybody. And um, the club ended up wanting like, photos that look like seas of people like so many people were at their yeah. club right yeah. right but in the end of the day it, my photos ended up being everyone's like facebook picture profile oh, picture. So right i mean that was the that. era also yeah. because at that point like outside of people like you everybody else's cameras truly i was saying this i think to brent the other day we looked hideous these cameras yeah. these digital cameras for whatever reason had no ability to like take still pictures there was always a blur and on top of that for whatever goddamn reason everyone always looked like, looked like they had yeah. rosacea terrible the worst possible skin like dewy in the worst way red in the worst way and it was like every camera took every hideous picture possible and that was like the height of at least like my early 20s the worst yeah possible. yeah i think i well, think thank God in, for you. in nightlife shooting things like that is hard shooting yeah. nightlife is really hard um i yeah. think that's why photographers like uh uh the cobra snake or like uh, oh right yes like like uh oh god who else uh what's his name david laffy right now mm -hmm. and, Wilson models uh, and ronnie <laughs> like ronnie's photo booth I think that's why those guys go are everywhere because they take great pictures of people yeah. for nightlife, which I think is hard to do that most yeah. people. Well, yeah. Cobra Snake was an, sorry, Cobra, I was going to say Cobra Snake was like that early dirty hipster era that was just fascinating. That was, was like fun. the way to be seen. There used to be a club um, uh, in the standard in Hollywood. It was called Simon Says. And when you go into the club, you went in through the kitchen Right. And uh, so that was cool already. But you weren't allowed to take any photos inside the club. If they caught you pulling out your phone and taking a picture, they would kick you out. Right. Mm -hmm. And the only person that was allowed to take photos was the Cobra Snake. Right. right? So right. if he liked your look, so everyone would get dressed up to be photographed. Right. If he liked your look, he would photograph you. And then the next week they put out a magazine of last week's party. 
And it was just this cool thing that they had wow. every single week. So it made people want to come back, but also wanted to see if like you made it into the magazine. Yeah, of course. That, that, that was so cool. That wouldn't be possible now, I don't think, telling people not to take pictures. It's like it's like oh, virtually wow. impossible at this point. Yeah. I do yeah. want to say the there's still some places like Soho House does that. They kick people out. Yeah. yeah. I, I go to a nude party that doesn't allow pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that has a different purpose. It's a different yeah. vibe. It's a different vibe. Wait, I don't get nude by the way. I don't get Joseph, nude. Go ahead, this Al. week, so this this past year, I think most people probably were like I mean, even if they didn't know it was your photographs, you did all of Kylie Sony Gloves uh, photos for Drag Race for All Stars every single week that she was doing stuff. I mean, what was? How did you like them? I mean, of course I love them. I shared them all the time. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? What was that like? It was amazing. Uh, You know, like I I got connected with Kylie through uh, a friend who's a designer. His name is Brad. His brand is called Be Kala. And during the very beginning of the pandemic, uh, I shot one of his dresses. Um, You know, like, uh, I think it was like the third month of quarantine. I had got really antsy and like stir crazy. And I just needed to create and shoot. So I did this editorial that I called and I wanted it to be pertinent to uh, what we're going through at the time. I did this photo shoot called uh, Essential Dressing for Essential Shopping. And uh, I photographed these like super crazy editorial looks inside of a, a little Mexican grocery store. And one of the, one of the outfits was one of Brad's and I got connected uh, through him, I'd be through that. And he loved all the work that I had done for that. And he was working with Kylie, of course, because the majority of the, uh, the clothes that she wore on All Stars was his. And they connected us and it was great. It was a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Yeah, you shot it on was, like a week, right? It was like literally all of her looks in like a short period of time. Oh my God. No, two days. Two we days. did the what? We shot the whole thing in two days. Um, I, for the very first time, have uh, utilized green screen. I've never worked in green screen ever in my life. So it was two days. They were, um, about 18 hours each <laughs> mm-hmm. which is Holy a lot shit. yeah but it, it flew by because we had fun and you know there was a lot of downtime in between like dismantling her looks and changing them and putting on a whole new look because she she did it she like like it was basically uh putting the exact looks that she wore on the show together you know so it was very specific um but this one was really cool like uh the project that i worked on with sonique was a collage project. So I, I've been working with various artists who do other mediums and do different things than uh, just what I do. Cause what I do is just straight in camera photography. I really don't do compositing or anything like that. Like everything that's in my photos is usually really there. So mm-hmm. for this, because we had what, 18 looks or something like that to shoot. Mm-hmm. I know it's all on green screen. I worked with this really amazing collage artist from Argentina his, who goes by Molo Kid on Instagram. Mm. He's a genius. And we basically, what we did for her was create uh, movie posters. So the idea was to create movie posters mm. or these like impossible photographs where we could create these fantasies that would either be extremely expensive to recreate in person or almost impossible to. So like everything that we did was like a fantasy. Like they we looked lit, amazing. Like we lit her on fire for one of them. And like yeah. for one of them, she's on a giant massive corn dog. 
and like you know one of them oh, she's yeah. shooting electricity everywhere yeah. and it was really fun that's so great that's amazing. she's the best she's yeah. the best too like I, I had had a couple like zoom meetings with her beforehand but in person she was wonderful yeah. and and just a great person who is really like mm-hmm. grateful and thankful and a worthy winner Oh, she deserved it. Definitely 1, a worthy winner. Yeah, I, I was, I was team Kylie one, the entire way. Yeah, one of the best things that, um, you know, like a little acknowledgement goes a long way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, usually when I photograph people, like it's a lot of conversation before, then we shoot and then it's kind of like they're gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. With Kylie, it was like she called me the very next day just to tell me thank you, that she appreciated it that she knows this can be good for everybody mm-hmm. that, that she just really wants me to hear with my it's own nice. ears that she's very grateful yeah. and thankful that we did this. We love it a humble like queen. That, yeah. We love, love it. a, love a yeah, humble so queen. Yeah. So, you know, not that many people do that. <laughs> so, Joseph, so before, before we go, I do want to ask you something that I sure. think is, um, I know itching Brent, uh, Brent needs to know this piece of information <laughs> sure. um, that I'm about to ask you. So you, in looking over your website, now, of course, I know your work very well, and I, I okay. know a lot of like your models and like the stuff you do, but you do okay. photograph a lot of naked men and women too, but there's a lot of really attractive naked men who you photograph. <laughs> and I want to know, just like on a real chill basis, what's it like being in the room in that situation? Is it clinical or do you have to sometimes, <laughs> um, do, you, do you get sweaty? No, you know, uh, I, it's very clinical for me. Yeah. Like I, I think uh, a lot of my, uh, I think the photographs you're referring to are mostly like black and whites. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, most people hire me for color work, but it's my black and white work that I think is my favorite um, because it's pretty much 1000% my ideas. It has nothing to do with like a magazine or like a campaign or anything like that. They're really just like really fun. A lot of the time, like fetishy a little bit more subversive and because it's kind of like no like anything goes type images um but yeah i mean i i have a huge appreciation for the body male and female but but when i'm working it's strictly work i don't i never think about my the only only thing i'm really thinking about is making Mm -hmm. sure that the person Mm -hmm. i'm photographing is comfortable Mm -hmm. and they feel safe and that they feel good and they trust me to go there. I some think of you it, should photo- and and how to make this cock look. <laughs> yes. Can you can you like can you make it? One, look- right? I think you should photograph um, Mia Sadie with a corset on and nothing below the waist, just so that all of my fat gets pushed down and it actually covers my penis because of the force of the corset pushing all of my stomach down. I think we should plan oh that. I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> just- that's a that yeah. I was gonna say that's a great way to end. I, I have a feeling Elliot Elliot's gonna be reaching out to you to schedule one of those black and white sheets. <laughs> yeah. But Joseph, yeah. how how can how can people where can people find you on the internet? Thank you so much for joining uh, us. Thank you on the internet. Really, I think the social media has been the fastest, most like direct way to get a hold of me. Um, my yeah. email is on my social media. Um, yeah, directly. What's your but, Instagram but, handle? Uh, it's it's yeah. Joseph Jasso Photo. I mean, yeah. I know that. Every, I just everything, people to know that. J-O-S-E-S-O-P-H-J-A-S-S-O photo. Yeah, every everything um on social media is that for me. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. 
another thing. Oh my God, gay doppelgangers. There yes. is a thing. So there's there's an article about why do gay men date their doppelgangers? And it's something that we've talked a lot about on this mm-hmm. podcast. And it's something that I know I make fun of in any sort of like live act that I do about how ridiculous it is that you would even want to be attracted to someone who looks like you. that just is so yeah. that's so foreign to me. But in the article that it brings up um, and it was an article from Into More, which is a website that Brent has not read. Um, <laughs> he and- thinks it's so um, it's so like left field. Avant-garde like- guard or something. Right? <laughs> they write good stuff. Yeah, yeah they do. It. They do. I mean, they're no um, auto straddle. <laughs> well, it's there's 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 a term for it now when you date uh, someone who looks like you. It's called autosexual, being attracted to oneself. And oh. in the article, it says that we're more likely to be attracted to someone who's a mixture of ourselves and a stranger than someone who bears no resemblance at all. It's uh-huh. another example of how we seek someone who feels familiar. Um, I, that does not sit with me at all. I don't feel like I do that really ever, but maybe I do. I do. do I I, I think, I think the basic, I'm, I'm like a nightmare version of what I find attractive, but like the basic, my basic frame and like my hair and, and is sort of like what I think I'm attracted to. Mm. Um, So I, yeah, I'm sort of the prototype, so to speak. Uh, and so I get that, but I have always said as, as something of a defense, uh, of, you know, gay people who get uh, gay men who get in particular, uh, attention for dating someone that looks like them. It's a lot easier to compare looks within the same gender than between yes, genders. Yes. yes and, true. you know, you could, pro- you would, you would, you could probably see a married couple, that are like the male and female equivalent of each yes, other and not yes. notice that they're doppelgangers. Yes. Uh, unless you've known them for a year or something. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, they're the same height and they have the same pants or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think that's that's the one unfair part about it. Well, yeah, also- but I do think, no, I do think that like, if it's about finding, co- you said it's like comfort in yourself, right? Or somebody who like, yeah, is it that they remind you of them of yourself, or that physically they you reminded of yourself? Well, there's a physicality to it that, to me, when I read the article and what I kind of take from it is, it just says it tells me how basic people are because we we fit into these standards of like, you know, if we're gay, we have to have we have to be thin, we have to be muscly, we have to in some communities we have to have a beard, we have to be hairy, oh. we have to be no hair, like. that you have to fit into those molds, you know what I mean? And and then because that becomes the quote unquote beauty standard for your type of homosexual you are, then Mm. that becomes who you're attracted to. And then thus you're dating yourself. You're dating someone that looks exactly like yourself. And to me, that's just sort of screams, oh, well, this person is not very creative. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, you know, like it, it seems like, it seems like a lazy way of dating. It, it, it is, it is weird. We've obviously talked about this a bunch, but it is weird when you see a picture of like you, I mean, I don't follow these accounts, but you guys do. You'll see a picture of like some loser on the beach somewhere, like with 18, like posing with 18, like gay men on some beach in Mexico yeah. or something. And their bodies are all just, I identical yes. to, to each other and it's almost like and of course they're always super ripped but it's almost it almost makes it infinitely less sexy when it's like it's not it's just no, 18 it's not, people all right go ahead it's completely to me completely 
and utterly sexless. It is devoid of right. sexuality. <laughs> it's devoid of charm. It is, when you see that, it is like they're without any diversity to people's bodies. And I'm not saying it in like a hippie woo-woo way where it's like, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to be like super granola and annoying. I'm just saying that like, when there is no variance in like bodies, yeah. it is yeah. genuinely to me like, boring as fuck. Well, and also, also, how does it happen? How yeah, does that it, happen? I was gonna say, it's not possible that you care about these pre- people's personalities right. yeah. because how could that be? it's just impossible that 18 people with that exact w- top 1% style body yeah. are all interesting to you. And it's, it's just impossible. Not just body. <laughs> it's, it's, it's style of how they keep themselves, meaning do they have a beard or not? It's their race. It's if there's where they live. It's so many different factors that, that have to meet up in a weird sort of like almost clinical way of like checking off a list of what their friend groups have to have. Yeah. And I like sometimes when I see those pictures on Instagram of friends of mine, of genuine friends of mine, I want to be like, do you not have a fat friend? Do you not invite your fat friend to like anything? And the the, the fact is they don't. They have yeah. fat friends. These people who are posting these pictures have non-white friends, have fat friends, have friends of different genders. They have these friends. It's just that they don't incorporate they're those people, those marginalized groups, likely within their own marginalized group, yeah. into their curated social circle that then is right. presented to the world. Mm. Uh, but I will say this briefly, though, because I, I do want to ask you uh, this question to Elliot, because I feel like Elliot, you, you, when I first got to know you, you dated guys who looked a little bit more like you. I remember you really liked men with beards for mm-hmm. several years, yeah. and then you just you like like a light switch when you dated one of your exes, you were like, I'm not into it anymore. I just don't like it. So what was that like for you? Like, did you have like some like come to Jesus moment when you were like, I'm not Moses, into the people he's Jewish. Been... Thank you, Brent. Right. Sorry, Moses. <clears throat> I don't think it was, it wasn't, it wasn't really like a, th- I think it was just funny because at the time, like throughout college, I didn't, I didn't date anybody who looked like me at all. And then by the time I got out of college, I happened to stumble into dating one guy who kind of looked like me. And then as soon as we broke up, he tried, I, I mean, it sounds so nuts, but like he quickly, very quickly, like grew, grew a beard before, after we dated, mm. got glasses. Like it was very, oh. that was all very strange. Single white but female. I think, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But um, I think uh, I've actually always been, not interested in guys that, that that look like me. I think I was into oh. beards for a second because it was still rare in like whatever whatever that was, 2006, 2007. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was excited by that. But I think it's probably fueled a lot by shame, but I've also <laughs> never wanted to date somebody who like actually looks looks oh, like okay. me. I'm, I'm more interested yeah. in like something else. Um, mm. But also know. I'm hyper aware of like the, the boyfriend twins phenomenon that yeah. I- yeah i've definitely always thought if like dating people who look like me like i i know what i look like like when i'm shitting and i know what i look like (laughs) when i'm doing the most disgusting things and it's like (laughs) i don't want to look at the other person and think of what i do and then think of them doing it's just gross to me it literally is like looking in a mirror yeah yeah Yeah. And, and not that i think i'm gross necessarily but i am gross like well here's the question would would you if i mean obviously you've got Michael and you guys are, yeah, you're together, but like in a different universe, would you, in the past, would you have dated somebody who you just like, were as in love with as you are with Michael, who you connected with as much as you do with Michael, 
if that person looked so much like you that it was very noticeable? I mean, I don't think I would have, because I mean, of course, all relationships that are long-term like ours are start with an attraction. You know, and, yeah. and the attraction is sure. usually an aesthetic thing. It's usually and that whittles that is, down to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But no, right. it, it's it's an aesthetic thing. It's it's very sort of like uh, fundamental, like what we respond to. And I don't think I would have responded to some, that person because I don't respond to people who look like me. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't yeah. that doesn't really register to me. So if that initial thing about the spark, you know, being about the aesthetic. It was, but even with Michael, it wasn't even the aesthetic, even though he's, he's very handsome to me. It's, it's, it's more, it was more about the creativity and yeah. there just was, there's just something, you know, it's just, it's a feeling you get. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, and maybe it's just because I've never really responded in that way to people who look like me. I, I really don't know the well, science you know, behind yeah. it. Yeah. I, I mean, if it, it. Make, if it makes you feel better, Alan, I also don't respond to people that look like you. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm socially, sexually, I'm professionally. No, I'm no. I'm just you kidding. Date, of would course. you date somebody who looked like so like you that you knew that you could be accused of being, of having a boyfriend twin or an, what is it, autosexual? And yeah, autosexual. Whatever, like, would, if you've really connected and clicked with somebody, like, I, I can say that I probably yeah, you would. probably would. I yeah. mean, Jake kind of yeah. looks like you, but without the without the brown hair, like, and and that's like, you know, that's that's I it's mean, fine. I, I wish. <laughs> I wish. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> uh, no, but I would, and 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 I, you know, as much as you can, I think probably. You know, throw a little shade on. Oh God, did I just use that? Phrase? Whoa! Whoa! Throw a little shade. Throw a little shade on these on these like dominating um, relationships. Great. I still wouldn't, you know, begrudge anyone pursuing a no, relationship that's no, meaningful. No. Oh, but I will make fun of them. them. I will make fun yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, right, very much right. So, especially in well, live it, shows. It is that thing where you're like, yes, there's like a difference. But it sucks. But there's like clear. There can be a difference between like, well, they really love each other, but the fact that it's also like a hashtag and. Uh, I still remember the boyfriend twins Tumblr. The fact that yeah. it's the phenomenon, yeah. I think, goes to show you that far and away there is a narcissism that is very hard to swat away yeah. among the gay community. Which is why I say, like, yeah. it would be hard, but I would probably, you know, eat my words and like settle down if I of found. Of course, if it, who, if it fit your, course. if it fit. I have this joke that I do, um, and like my, whenever I do anything with Sadie, like live, especially in WeHo. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, I'll make fun of WeHo gays who they all like the mm -hmm. boyfriends that look the boyfriend, you know, twins yeah. or whatever. They all look alike. And I'm like, you're, you're hairless and you have muscles and everything. <laughs> and then I ask if anyone lives on the East side in Silver Lake. Cause you know, the Silver Lake people are all laughing at the WeHo people mm -hmm. for boyfriend mm -hmm. twins. And I'm like, y'all are the same too. You all have beards and you all smell and you get <laughs> off on <laughs> And you get mm. off on each other doing it. And it's like, mm -hmm. we're all the same. Everyone yeah. is an equal party offender. So mm -hmm. like, it's true. You know what? We're all, we're all people. We're all people. <laughs> people who need people. <laughs> what, what would, would your, your aunt, aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? Wait, what the hell?
does throwing shade mean? <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say, you know, when you started to talk about a pearl necklace, I really thought Brent would make it dirty right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's true. How about Aunt Anne? I thought I was going to take nude pictures for your Uncle Ray once, but then I went to Glamour Shots and realized they don't take nude pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Glamour Shots. Oh love God. it. Love it. I actually literally tried to s- s- like swing a, a Glamour Shots Elliot nude joke in earlier. <laughs> But I, it, I like wrote down glamour shots, but I couldn't. I couldn't oh get it. Oh my god! I, I always wanted to do that so badly. I, I have a friend, one of my one of my dear friends, Betsy, Betsy White, reg, regular listener of the show. Got I remember she got a glamour shots in like late middle school, and I, mm. and it was you know they're great pictures. They're like it was like very cute. Yeah. Um, I think she even even in middle school, she was kind of like, this is a little ridiculous. I'm I'm pretty yeah. sure there was like a boa. She wore a boa at one yeah, point. They the yeah, they yeah, all yeah. had boas. Yeah, they all had boas. Yeah. Oh, I'm so I, jealous. Though. I would I would like literally do it now still. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should. We should all we There's should all there. go do a Sears shot, like a Sears group. That's shot. actually a good idea. Yeah. Let's do yeah, it. I would do that. All right. So next time you see us, we'll be together <laughs> at Sears. Does Sears exist? I don't think it exists. Anymore. I don't okay. know. Well, on that note, thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. <laughs> and I am H. Oh, no. <laughs> Hurry up, Alan. <laughs> you son of a bitch. God. <laughs> Thank you.